I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. They all come from the unknown north. Talent, drive, and a pride worth paying for. But just because they're above the 49 parallel, it doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate them just as well. So give it up to these Canucks. Because our self-promotion sucks And if they all went away We sure would miss them The Canadian star system Hello and welcome back to the Canadian star system Not quite the Milky Way More of a coffee crisp This is where we speak with some of Canada's most talented people and try to figure out what makes them so good and what makes Canada so bad at celebrating our own Each episode, our stars not only shine, but also shine their spotlight on another Canadian talent who they know the rest of us should know more about. I'm your host, Steve Patterson, but my friends call me... I'm just kidding. My friends don't call me because I have young children. But I'll tell you who does call me at least once a week to remind me that we're doing this show. And that's my producer and co-host, Diana Francis. Hi, Diana. Hello, Steve Patterson. Why do you sound so angry already? I uh, know I'm 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 excited to be here today Are as you? I always am. I am. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I maybe I caught you distractedly. Now I made a couple of uh hopefully you know your Canadian chocolate bars. I made a couple of chocolate references there. I Did know. I've, very well done. It's a it's a great sneak peek as to who our guest is today. I mean a little bit, but I mean I think that this bit. this chocolate is much much better, but if do you have a go-to chocolate or candy yourself? I do, Steve. My go-to, it's very Canadian. I love a coffee crisp. It is. I legitimately love a coffee crisp. And I'm that weirdo who eats it layer by layer. I don't just bite into it. I like eat the top layer and then eat the next layer and just like kind of trim it down until you're left with that last little wafer. Yum, yum, yum. Never heard of that in my life. And that's um, <laughs> that is, that's on some sort of psychological evaluation. That is a red flag. So uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that you enjoyed the chocolate part of the chocolate bar. It is a pretty good segue uh, into our guest, although he's much, much more distinguished, certainly than the coffee crisp, with all due respect to the coffee crisp. You want to just get right into it? Let's do it. All right. Our featured guest today has not been a Canadian citizen for very long, but he's made a huge impact in a very short time. He's originally from Syria, where he lived with his family in Damascus until the civil war there forced them to flee to a refugee camp in Lebanon. They were there for three years before his perseverance and the kind-heartedness of a Nova Scotia community relocated them to Canada. He immediately began giving back to the community that brought him here and built up the family business that they had left behind in Syria, a chocolate business, but this time with a renewed focus on goodwill and peace, calling the company Peace by Chocolate. Now, he serves on the board of Invest Nova Scotia, 
He has won Canada's National Newcomer Entrepreneur Award, and he was selected by Google as the National Hero Case for 2018. Here he is, Tarek Haddad. Tarek. Steve, very good to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Diana. Hi. I think people can probably hear your smile. You have one of the greatest smiles. Every time I've seen you, you are smiling and it is contagious. What makes you so happy all the time? Well, there's a lot to be happy about, Steve. Like, what? life is not really worth it if you don't smile. Life is not worth it if you are not happy. And if you don't find your sense of happiness, every one of us has their own sense of happiness. You just have to find it. And to be honest, after what our family and we have been through, you know, we came to Canada and we just feel that we have to take advantage of our lives and really celebrate it in many ways that people just don't see. I am I'm happy if I go to the shower and find water. I'm happy if I wake up and find electricity. I'm happy <laughs> if I get out and my car starts in the middle of a blizzard in the winter. I'm happy for everything. I love your perspective on things. This is a little bit of history. Diana has actually interviewed you before for another project. This is a while back. I was supposed to interview you and I had an injury and I, I couldn't do the interview and it because basically because I had a sore arm. And then I tried to put that in perspective. I'm like, this is a man whose family had to flee war, who got through three years in a refugee camp. And I'm not interviewing because I have a sore arm. So you are a, a, just a much better human being than me. You're great, Steve. You're great. Oh, well, see, this is what I need every day. Now, within the past year, you've actually gotten your official Canadian citizenship. And you've described that as something that you're very, very proud of. Tell us about this. You're sort of in the honeymoon period of your Canadianism, if I may. What's it like? Well, being a Canadian is the biggest honor, was the biggest honor of my life, is my biggest honor of my life, will be the biggest honor of my life. You know, Canada was the country that opened the doors for our family when many other countries around the world were closing their borders. When I was in Lebanon and I was so pessimistic about everything that goes on with humanity, at some point I applied to go to the US, imagine, with Trump. I was like, just get me to the U.S., even with Trump. At least I would be safe there. And I did not get to the U.S. I did not get to Italy. I did not get to Portugal. I did not get to Turkey even. And Canada was the only country on earth that really said, welcome home and welcome here. So I'm really on my honeymoon. I'm really celebrating, you know, what this country stands for. Freedom, human rights, empathy, kindness, compassion, diversity, democracy, all of those things that we really all have to live up to every single day. I know this country is not perfect. I know in the past few weeks and few months, you know, we have discovered that we have a lot of work to do and this should not have come to a surprise to anyone. But when I came to Canada, I always said that I did not just sign up to Canada's excellence. I also owned its mistakes and failures. So I will do everything I can, hopefully, to leave this country better for our children than I found it. So yes, uh, absolutely. Being in Canada is, is the biggest honor of my life. Now, just to be clear, we were your fifth choice. I counted four other countries before <laughs> us. I actually okay. applied, applied to everyone at the same time. Canada was, okay. Canada was, was, was one of the first countries, but they got back to me. Alphabetically, we were the That's top. That's right. <laughs> we're number five. It's just been an incredible story for you and your family since you've been here. And it started to spread, certainly, so many people may have heard it. But if we could just get to the Coles notes, to the very shortened version of the reason you had to flee Syria, we all know that that conflict is happening and has been happening for, for such a long time. Is there a way to pinpoint why that ever started? Or do you, now that you've moved beyond that, do you not like to think back to those days, to that conflict? Oh, 100%, yes. I remember the days where, you know, we used to live in peace. I remember the days when I used to walk downtown Damascus without having to worry of a mortar rocket falling on my head. I used to remember all of these beautiful things that we used to do. All my family members were living in one building. So my grandmother was on the first floor. We were on second floor. My uncles, my aunts, 60 members of my family were in that building, 10 floors, <laughs> 10 floors, Steve. So every Saturday, we used to have the supper together. And that's what I remember. It just, you know, everything just broke down after the war started in 2012, after the movement of the Arab Spring just ignited people, people's wills to change. There was a lot to change. There was a lot to free from. But unfortunately, you know, when, when everything started to almost to start changing, just violence got in the way. You know, the regime started bombing the 
rebels and the protesters, you know, and we knew that violence will beget violence. Kindness beget kindness, violence beget violence, fear and anxiety will beget fear and anxiety. This is the law of life. You know, whatever you give, you get back. It breaks my heart all the time that people don't know a lot about Syria before the war. Like, if you go, even go to Google, Google to Google right now, the first thing you would find about Syria is the Syrian war, Syrian crisis, Syrian refugees, Syrian victims. No one knows, you know, about these peaceful memories that we have had in Damascus, the hospitality of the Syrian people, the beauty of the country. You know, that's absolutely one of the most amazing places in the Middle East to, to live, to work, to start a business, to study. And we were proud Syrians. You know, our family started a chocolate business for a long time there that grew into an empire. So everyone had aspirations in our family. I was on the way to become a physician. So I got into med school. I was doing a training one day when my father's factory was bombed to the ground, was just leveled after an airstrike. So what started in Syria was just people trying to make change and reform. And then they were faced by a dictatorship, by you know, a regime that just did not want to change, that did not want to give people rights and freedoms. I was living in Damascus. And I knew that many people outside of Damascus, they didn't have the same privileges I had because I was living in a big city. They didn't have healthcare, they didn't have education, they didn't have the basics of life. So I started connecting to the struggles of the people who were less fortunate in our country. And that's when everyone else started to realize, yes, we need to really dig down into the causes for corruption in the country. We need to know where is the people's money going if they are not building roads, if they're not doing bridges, if they're not building hospitals, if they're not making schools. Where is people's, you know, money going? It's all about that, certainly. But people at the end, you know, are the victims. Civilians were the victims of this. I called it the Third World War. Absolutely. Uh, that happened in one country when all other countries started to fight in one place. It's so much heartbreak and turmoil when you think of the situation that is ongoing. And, you know, your your family, your your large family is able to get out of that area and get into Lebanon comparatively safe, but not a great situation. You know, I, was, I saw something you, you wrote recently on World Refugee Day. People have different thoughts on, on refugees, but often we think of, you know, there's, there's people that are in a country that have animosity towards refugees for coming into their country, when in fact, I mean, there's no option. They're, they're fleeing from it. They don't want to be. No one wants to be a refugee. And I think that the fact that you, you have this positivity that you're able to portray the fact that you're helping people, even as as you're getting acclimatized into Canada, is such an amazing story and such an amazing spirit. And you're not alone in it, but you certainly are a figurehead of it now. Since you've come to Canada, you've met the Prime Minister. The Prime Minister has mentioned you by name. You've met several heads of state, and you've been embraced by the little old town of Antigonish. Nova Scotia. What can you tell everyone about Auntie Ganesh? Well, first, uh, you know, if you are ever to be in Nova Scotia, you have to call it a Niganesh. So the T does not count. See? See? That's, See? that's what happens Look at after this. five that's years. That's how Canadian you are. You're correcting me on how to say a Canadian. I love it. Lesson number one, Steve. <laughs> you got it. The town is just so perfect. You know, it's just amazing to see the people coming to support refugee families who did not want to leave their homeland, right, Steve? Like, as you mentioned, no one was born to immigrate. No one was born to be a, a refugee. It's not a life goal. It's not a choice. It's not a decision. It's something we were forced to. And because we were living in our homelands, building these connections, enjoying our lives, that's, that's what we all want in life, right? Like, you want to have a peaceful, happy, safe life with your family, seeing your kids growing up, not really having to leave and live as, as a refugee, which is a stateless condition. No one wants to have that certificate from UNHCR, the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, telling you you are just a number, like you don't belong anywhere, like you have no identity. You are not Syrian anymore. You cannot be Lebanese because you are there. So who you are, like, you know, everyone will start asking themselves, like, how are we going to survive as human beings. So really giving back the humanitarian aspect of refugees is very important for everyone in the world these days. Because there are 60 million plus refugees around the world these days living in horrendous circumstances. No one really is acknowledging their struggles. And imagine also living in a pandemic as refugees. This is triple the suffering. So Antigonish has given us another chance to live, to be honest. And without the 
the generosity, the kindness of the people there, you know, the randomness of the place itself, like coming from Syria, Damascus, the city of millions of people, to Antigonish. I love the story that you told me before when we spoke, Tarek, when you found out where you were going and you looked it up and you saw pictures in the that's summertime right. and that's what you that's showed right. your family that's what I sent to my mom it's like yeah. you know what is it like to be living in Antigonish so by the way I landed in Halifax that was December 19th 2015 and I saw this group of Canadians coming from Antigonish to the airport holding flowers and signs with my name in Arabic and English wow and someone came to me and was like are you Tarek I'm like yes I'm Tarek but I'm sure I'm not Tarek you are looking for <laughs> and I'm like, wow, Tarek, it must be a very famous name in Halifax that everyone's called Tarek. How did, how did these people know me? Like, I, did, I don't know any one of them. No one really introduced me to them. And they were like, yes, we are sure you're Tarek we are looking for. And then they had, you know, all the information about me. They were like, welcome to Nova Scotia. And I'm like, wow, this is such an amazing place because I only knew of Canada, the MTV, Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. Oh, <laughs> that's what immigrants know about the new country like Canada. And then when I landed in Halifax, I'm like, am I still in Canada? <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like, yes, you're just on the other side of the country, on the Atlantic Ocean. And then we had to drive to Antigonish for two and a half hours from the airport. It was snowy. And then I was in the car with two physicians. And they were all asking me about all, you know, medical questions. And I'm like, you know, you are in a new country. In the middle of the darkness, the middle of nowhere, driving on the highway, there's nothing except moose and, and trees. That's what you see. And I'm like, you know, I'm scared to death. I'm in a car where I'm with two physicians taking me to a place I don't know. I'm like, turn to them. And I told them, uh, uh, doctors, I really need my kidneys. Oh, like <laughs> there were two surgeons too so i arrived in town and just had a lot of fun since then so the journey really started a few days after i knew that i arrived home and i started calling and right after. this takes it to the next level because canadians even know i mean there's canadian friendly then there's maritime friendly it is a different level oh, they an extra, will it's extra they'll welcome strangers into their homes certainly but th this is another level of having invited you from across the world, taking your family in. I will say that I've gone into Halifax many times and they've never put up signs for me. So thanks a lot, Halifax. And everybody in Halifax is named Steve. <laughs> That's true. If I saw a sign that said, welcome Steve, I would think it was for me, That's but it right. would for sure not be. But you've blazed such a trail. There's probably a lot of Tarek McDonald's out there now since you've arrived. Now, let's talk quickly about the transition you were in medical school, you've done your medical training, and that was the course that your life was taking you on. And then that course got interrupted, changed by the entire situation in Syria. But when you came to Canada, you still were interested in pursuing medicine. Is that correct? And it was difficult to transfer things here? Yeah, Is that what happened? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I came to Canada on the passion of becoming a physician. Right. That's why I applied to come to Canada. That's why I applied to get my family out of the Middle East in the first place is because, you know, I wanted to continue my studies. And then when I landed in Canada, I was faced with the reality that if you have credentials from overseas, they're not going to be recognized. You have to go do undergraduate degree and then apply and then do the MCAT and then all of these complexities. And some schools even ask me to do high school again. I'm like, for God's sake, I arrived here and I finished a lot of time in med school. Why do I have to yeah. go back? Like we as a country, these days we are losing a lot of potential. Mm -hmm. We are losing a lot because imagine all of those people and how much of contribution would have been to the country during the pandemic either. Yes. Like everyone now is just like, you know, going around in their lives, finding a job anywhere. It's not making them less of people for sure, but also they have credentials and they have skills. For example, when I came here, I called a friend in Ontario and he was like, Tariq, do you know that if you have a heart attack in Toronto, it's safer to be with a cab driver rather than being in an emergency room at the hospital? I'm like, why? He was because 70% of cab drivers in Toronto are immigrant physicians <laughs> who cannot practice, <laughs> who cannot go back to practice and become physicians because that's the system. That's how things run in this country. I was optimistic that I could get through it. And I'm sure with persistence, maybe I would have been able to, but then I didn't have time. I wanted to move on with something else until things get better in our lives. And that's when I decided just to shift gears and just support my family and restart everything. It's been a, a pretty amazing shift of gears, but you bring up a great point. 
that, you know, it's it's sort of a joke that we like to talk about. It's, oh, you know, the people come over here and they can't get their the jobs that they have. But it's not a joke. And you're absolutely right. During the pandemic, people that have medical training should be recognized for their medical training. The anatomy, I believe, of all humans is the same. Maybe I'm wrong there. No, no, you are not. We all have the same amount of blood. We all have the same number of bones. We all have the same tissues. So nothing really, nothing really is, is different. It's, it's all the same. I have a small tail, but that's, that's, I think that's an anomaly. That's not something that's normal. It doesn't count, yeah. <laughs> now, let's talk about where chocolate comes into all this, because we haven't really <laughs> spoken about that yet. But your father, similar to you, because he was a civil engineer and then decided, this isn't my passion anymore. I'm changing right. course. I see the happiness that chocolate brings to people. I want to help make that. And all of a sudden, he starts a small chocolate manufacturer, not, not even a manufacturer, starts to make chocolate in the kitchen at your home in Damascus. It grows into, I think, the second biggest chocolate manufacturer right. in all of the Middle East. And, and this business is thriving. And then you have to flee and start from scratch here in Canada. And he does the exact same thing. He starts making chocolate in the kitchen and then it just balloons right. so quickly. Can you, right. can you talk about that? Absolutely. Well, you know, if you would ask me that life would, do, would be so repetitive, I would say, no, this is so crazy. Like, you know, the same thing my father did 30 years ago. We had to do it in Indonesia. The only thing that's different is starting a business in Syria took my father almost 10 years even to register the business. He opened two shops downtown Damascus and on the way to the airport, and that was it uh, in the beginning of his stage. And so really, he was able to register business, start expanding and exporting. We did that in Canada in six months. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, that's the difference. That's the difference of really doing business here versus doing business in the Middle East. Is that because there's less red tape or like what, what, why is that, that you can do it so much quicker here? Uh, well, in the, in Syria, you know, it takes you a lot of time to, uh, to even do trademark to your name, to even register and apply and do an application for your uh, business number. To get a business number in Syria, it takes you forever. In addition to all the complexities of, you know, distribution and et cetera, et cetera, and, you know, financial capital securing your customer base and, all of that. So the difference was certainly in the system itself, in the system of doing business. And I think that we have such a great system for entrepreneurs in this country that supports you to go from point A to point B whenever you want, whenever you are ready. And there is a lot of awareness about, you know, do you want a resource? Do you want support? Do you want an advisor? Do you want a grant? Do you want a loan? All of that was not available at that time, and it's still not. You know, the country, mm. unfortunately, Syria is going backwards now after the war. And that's really what makes Canada is just so great for entrepreneurs. And that's why we see people just coming here from all over the world to start to start a business. While so many Canadians are not aware of the reality that, you know, it's not that complicated, right? You just have to get out of your comfort zone and start doing things. And that's why... I think what also helped us is that we are making chocolate, which is universal. <laughs> <laughs> right away, red tape melts away yeah. <laughs> with chocolate. I mean, it's not to be discounted. By the way, have you ever tried a coffee crisp that Diana was talking about before? <laughs> yes, have you ever yes, tried I one did. of those? Don't ask me what do I no, think. No, I won't. Okay, I mean, great. your dad is a master chocolatier. <laughs> to put a coffee crisp, I can't. Even, I don't even know what the equivalent would be. Hey, do you like bananas? <laughs> Try just the peel. Oh yes. <laughs> now, I, I will say this. I want to give a you know, a regional shout out to Nova Scotia, because you talk about, you know, Canada being a better system to get through. But in Nova Scotia and in Annie Ganesh, the community rallied behind you right 100%. from the get go. I mean, you started in a small market and all of a sudden this shop was being built by tradespeople. So your family, while they were being helped, you know, you immediately identified, we want to give back, started this business, started employing people, not just in, in the chocolate factory, but in the trades. I think it's incredible that you were able to do this so quickly and to always, even though you're starting from scratch, to be able to give back to the community at every step of the way. Was that just always something that was important to you or was that something that came into your experience from moving to Canada? Absolutely. You know, the, all the credit goes to the people of Antigonish. All the credit goes to safe city Antigonish families embrace. That brought our family here. All the credit goes to Nova Scotia. We are just a result. Our family is just a result of this kindness. We are not the cause. We are the result. And they are the reason. So I, I truly believe that we are lucky to be here. And giving back was something I, I started 
you know, talking about more after the business started. Because in business, you hear a lot about ROI, right? You hear a lot about return on investment, but no one talks about ROK, return on kindness. Hmm. And I really started talking more about that and thinking about it. How can we do a business in a socially responsible manner? How can we change the lives of others like others change our lives? How can we give back to the country, to the province, to the town that has given us so much, which is peace? Peace for me started to be that value that comes from everywhere and takes us everywhere. Without it, we'll never be able to restart a business. We'll never be able to go to school, never be able to have kids, we'll never be able to raise family. I would not be able to, re to record this interview with you without living in a peaceful place. How am I supposed to sit down knowing that I'm not going to get killed or bombarded or just blown away if I'm you know, not knowing that I'm living in peace? And that's really the biggest value in this country that we started thinking about. So yes, giving back was the main value in the business and started with the wildfires in Fort McQuarrie in 2016. Right. That's when we started donating to the organizations that means a lot to us, uh, Canadian relief efforts to help other Canadians on the other side of the country. Because we said we knew how does it feel to have to flee your home after a wildfire, you know, after a, a bombing. And we don't want Canadians to, to have that, that feeling because it's, it's so bad. It's ugly. It's an ugly feeling. And that's really when everything started with the community. So now our work expands to over uh, five major partnerships with our Peace on Earth Society, but also we have around 10 to 15 more partnerships on the go during the year. And again, it's truly astounding to me that you would be able to reach out across the country, as you said, to Fort McMurray from Antigonish. You're still establishing yourself at your family, still establishing yourself, but you're seeing, no, there's people that need our help on the other side of this country because people reached out to us on the other side of the world. It really is contagious, isn't it, that you uh, are helping out in this way? The law of reciprocity, you know, whatever you give, you, you will get back. Canada gave us a lot of this kindness and we are just returning it. We are not reinventing something new. Like this is the basic value in this country, right? Like when you go anywhere, you are so welcome. I've traveled to every, almost every major town and, and city before the pandemic. And I was lucky. I was really lucky because I got to see how this country is performing, how this country really is just welcoming people from all over the world, not only from Syria. And how is, you know, history supporting these new waves of organizations coming together with communities to bring people and support them to restart their lives. It's not easy. You know, everyone comes here like a newborn baby. <laughs> I, I barely spoke few words of English when I arrived in Canada. My father is still learning the language. All of the kids in the family now, they, they come and they laugh at us because we don't speak proper English. You know, that's what the kids do. Immigrant kids, they always come and laugh at their parents and their, their older, <laughs> older siblings because they can't speak English properly. But it's been really, really exciting for us to run a business in a different way and you know, when life gives you another chance to restart something, just do it right. You make it seem so easy, so simple, so matter of fact. I think it's just from, the, from your viewpoint. I read a quote from you saying, we knew if we faced trouble that we could sit down and complain about it, or we could dig down and find solutions, which is, I mean, that's a real, real interesting way to say we knew if we faced trouble. <laughs> you've, you've faced trouble. You've definitely faced trouble, and you've come through it on the other side. Now. You said at the beginning, we talked about, you know, you accept Canada and all of Canada, all, all of the history, and we tend to whitewash a lot of the history in Canada. That has come out recently with residential school atrocities and a, and a genocide in Canadian history. What does your experience tell you about that Canadian experience that, you know, it's not as great as we, as we set it out there, but what, what do we do to address that? Well, when I came to Canada, I knew that I have a lot of work to do to reestablish our lives. But then no one really told me, you know, the real stories of history about residential schools, about the struggles of indigenous people. And I was disappointed, to be honest. Yeah. That was the mark in history in Canadian lives that we have all to know. We all have to pay a price for that shared history, you know, whether we are newcomers or whether we are Canadians born here or born away. I know firsthand what does it feel like, you know, to have somebody come and just bomb your house or kill your family and just burn it and then ask you to leave. You know, I know that firsthand. I tried that. And this is the last thing that I want anyone else on this planet, whether they are my friends or my enemies, not even my enemies, 
not even my enemies. I want them to try that feeling. So that's why in the company, if you go a little bit in history in 2016, when we started thinking, how can we, how can we express our gratitude that we are here on an indigenous land? We are here on Mi'kma'ki, the land that we call home. That's why the first chocolate bar we created was called Wanta Udi, hmm. which means peace in Mi'kmaq. And then we established a partnership called Nithap, uh, which means a buddy or friend in Mi'kmaq as well. So proceeds of all of those products go to indigenous communities, Pakinkik near Antigonish and many other indigenous communities across Canada. That's how I started connecting the dots, to be honest, just like thinking, how can I make sense of all of this? How can I make sure that I'm using my voice and my, our platform as a business leaders in the province right now? To make sure people connect to indigenous people across the country, which is which is not easy, which is, you know, I know it's been buried for, for a very long time. You know, the stories of residential schools, the inequality, you know, the uh, unemployment rate in indigenous on indigenous reserves, all the other struggles for residential school survivors, missing and murdered indigenous women. All of that has to come to the surface. This has to be a priority for our nation if we want to move forward with true reconciliation and true fairness and true justice and true equality. We cannot just bury this under the rug and we can just not ignore this anymore because we are in a time when these all of those social values have to govern us You know, before we do anything in business, in politics, wherever we want to go. We have to be right to ourselves before we have to be right for others. So... I really believe that this country has come a long way. Don't get me wrong. You know, I believe that we have come a very long way in many ways. I've only been here for five and a half years, and I've seen a lot of things start to change. You know, the way that people think about these issues are changing. You know, everyone starts to talk a lot, uh, a little bit more about, you know, the discomfort, you know, talking a little bit about this, these pieces in history. And Steve, when I even read about Canada in Discover Canada Guide when I wanted to apply for Canadian citizenship. No one told you anything about that. No one tells no. you anything about residential schools. No one tells you about the the thousands of indigenous people that were killed. No one tells you about how people even got into residential schools who were forced to go there. And even the citizenship oath that I got, nothing mentioned indigenous lands. Like, you know, the citizenship no. oath that I took last year. And it just changed recently. And that's the change that I'm talking about, which is very encouraging. And I'm really hopeful and, it, and things are promising. I think that you hit the nail on the head there. And I think most can, I don't know how many Canadians that have been here for their whole lives would pass a Canadian citizenship test, to be honest with you. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the questions are. That are on it, but I don't love my chances, but you're absolutely right. They don't, you know, the history is not taught. It's certainly not taught to new Canadians. It's not taught to older Canadians, and and that has to change, and I think it is starting to change. So the last question I will ask before we bring on your featured guest would be, and again, this is um this is a tough one because you know Canada, in addition to our troubled history in residential schools, we have the problems that are occurring all around the world and in the United States. Islamophobia is on the rise as we speak in Canada, and there was a terrible. Uh, situation not long ago in the town that I grew up in, London, Ontario, where a, an act of hate took out an entire family. When you see something like that, is your reaction anger? Is it disbelief? What do you think when you see that? I believe that you know there is no country on earth that is perfect, and I know that we have a lot of work to do. A lot of I think emotions to process even as as the muslim community in canada was grieving the four family members were just killed and murdered because of their faith if you tell me that you know when i in my first very first few months in canada i would say well this is this is not here you know this does not happen here this is not canada that i wanted to continue my life in and i wanted to have a kids and have a family here but this is this is who we are as a country you know this is who who uh, the system allows some people to be. And Islamophobia and hatred does not start from nothing. It's all taught. This is all learned. No one was born to hate. And no one was born knowing how to hate. All of that is taught, whether by online hate speech, you know, if you go to the comment section on, on some of the news outlets, the major mainstream news outlets in Canada was allowing hate speech even to that some extent until the Quebec mosque attack happened 
after my very first year in Canada and just shook my entire family. They were, they were scared to get out. They were scared to go to a mosque. They were scared to pray after the mosque attack in Quebec. And the same thing happened after the London attack when, when my family were asking me, well, are we safe to go for a walk today? Right. And that's the hardest question I've heard since I came here. And I said, yes, we are safe. I truly believe in Canada and I truly believe in our Canadian brothers and sisters you know, being there for us, protecting us. And that's why we are here in the first place. To the point about how did I feel, I think disbelief comes to, to the surface. The first thing is, you know, being shocked and surprised that what motivated this action was the same thing that motivated the action that has killed a Toronto man at, at the mosque just a few months before, that has killed four people more, you know, in attacks across Ontario over the past few years that killed many people who were praying peacefully in a mosque in Quebec. So I think hatred, bigotry, anxiety, fears of others, these are all things that they are taught, and if it's time to unlearn them. Intolerance has to be unlearned as soon as possible, because you know if this fire does not, does not recognize if you are a Muslim or not, if it starts with hate, it will get to everyone. And I'm really always, as you hear from my tone, I'm always always hopeful because i know that this country is doing a lot of work already and i know that from the rallies that you see that you saw after yes. the attack you know yes. across the country i was in halifax i couldn't even get close to five kilometers from the place of the rally because people were so crowded supporting everyone and grieving with the muslim community this is my canada it's not the, the canada of the uh, hate and racism I'm glad you mentioned that. And I, I was happy to see the outpouring in London, especially in the community and saying, this is not what that community is. It's just uh, heartbreaking that it's exists at all, but I, you're absolutely right. It's got to be, it has to be taught and it has to be un, untaught, unlearned and aggressively so. All right, time for a quick coffee break, but not a coffee crisp break. Hey, Steve. Hey, Diana. How's it going? Good talk. You know, every week we take a nugget from the interview and write a funny ad parody. But this week, I want to switch it up. So you want to write a not funny ad parody? No, I want to write an actual ad. All right. But can you also make it funny? Of course. You think I'm capable of ever not being funny? Yeah. Uh, okay. So what's the ad for? Peace by Chocolate. Ooh, nice one. If you've been listening to this interview, which I assume you are because you're hearing me say this, then you'll know that Peace by Chocolate was started in Antigonish, Nova Scotia after the Haddad family immigrated to Canada to escape the Syrian war. As a deliciously sweet love letter to their new home, Peace by Chocolate has a new Atlantic bar collection with some of their favorite sayings on the wrapper like, Where'd you at? Or, Fill your boots! Or my personal favorite, Who's your father? <laughs> Who's your father? Is uh, That's funny. Right? I told you this commercial would be funny whether I want it to be or not. So be sure to check out their website, piecebychocolate.ca, and remember their tagline, one piece won't hurt. <laughs> you know what else wouldn't hurt? A couple of free samples for mama. Okay, Diana, are you hoping that by doing an actual ad for Peace by Chocolate, they'll send you free chocolate? Yeah. Yeah, but Peace by Chocolate donates profits towards great charitable causes that build peace projects around the world. And given how much I'm paid to do this podcast, I am a great charitable cause, Steve. <laughs> now that's funny. <laughs> yeah, not really. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And now, back to the sweet, sweet show. We're going to switch gears and go to something called Quick Questions. Quick Questions! Tarek, are you ready for some quick questions? Let's do it. These are just for you. I would never ask these to anyone else. Okay. <laughs> Putting you on the spot right here. What's your favorite Canadian meal? My favorite Canadian meal? Yeah. I tried poutine once. Just once. <laughs> yeah? Just once? <laughs> I liked it. You did like I it? I did. Yeah, I tried it once in five years. What about the Halifax Donair? I mean, I'm sure you've been ingratiated into the yes, Donair absolutely. kingdom. It's yeah. so great. And the Halifax Burger Week is my favorite. This is just <laughs> super good. Good to know. Let me ask you this question. Someone with medical training, why does an apple a day keep the doctor away? What is it about apples? <laughs> it does keep the doctor away. Who said it doesn't? It, it does. It does. Oh, it does. Say, yeah. oh, you said it does. It does. Why okay. does an apple keep doctors away? Is it a phobia of apples? Is it something good in the apples? <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, I always, I don't say apples, by the way, as a doctor. I say one chocolate bar a day keeps doctors away. <laughs> <laughs> I like that expression better. Unless it's a coffee crisp. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. No, then you're going to die a yeah. Yeah, slow, so. slow, horrible death from diabetes. Yeah, will. Well, well, apple was just, you know, the spoiled fruit. You know, anything. If you eat healthy, you would keep the doctor away. Whatever okay. you eat, just keep things healthy. All right. I should have known better than think you would give a plug to apples. Uh, but a, a, chocolate bar, <laughs> a chocolate bar a day keeps the doctor away even better. Other than chocolate, what's the best way to make peace? Uh, acceptance. I think that we have to come together as human beings, accepting who we are, regardless of the things that, that differentiates us. I think people sometimes mistakenly take differences as a fuel to hatred and fear from others. I think we should celebrate them instead of just putting them as barriers between us as human beings. And in Canada, I think it's that societal friendship and harmony that starts with many ways, and it certainly starts with reconciliation. So chocolate is just, I call it a vehicle. It's, it's our ambassadorship, right? And peace is that value that we have to take it everywhere, knock on every door and try to, to talk to everyone. So after we finish a conversation about peace, we give people a chocolate bar. <laughs> I mean, that's a good way to close any conversation. That's a, such a great answer. What is the, and I, I've seen some interesting advice from your dad, including don't use the turn signal on the car because they, right. they don't have to know where we're going, which <laughs> I think is right. great advice. What's the best advice you've ever received from your father? Uh, my father is a hilarious guy, by the way. I just feel that he should be also talking a lot more than me these days my father used well, to say that we'll book uh, him next yeah <laughs> my father used to say that no one can go back and start a new beginning but everyone can start today and make a new ending and this whole thing really started with me when i was young and then i heard he came to me once you know when i failed one of my assignments in school and i was so depressed and this just keeps resonating with me every day since then a lot has has changed in my life because of my father for sure he is is my my first inspiration he he's my first and forever inspiration but also he's a great father in many ways imagine having to protect your kids out of a horrible war uh and get them out and restart their your lives after that many years i wouldn't do it if i was his age i wouldn't do it in in many ways i wouldn't have survived like he did for us well beautifully said my friend and uh let's end on this note one final plug what is the best thing that the world might not know about Annie Ganesh. I like that people know a lot about Antigonish with the Antigonish, the, the wheel, the pizza place. You know, they, they know a lot <laughs> about 
maybe Sandfax, you know, Cody International yes. Institute. Not too many people know about the Antigonish movement that, you know, that started in Antigonish and just has to spread out across the province, teaching people how to do coalitions and credit unions and collaboration wow. between communities. It just started. Mm. It was like an amazing thing that has happened in Nova Scotia. And that's one of the things that has really made so many Canadian towns in Nova Scotia survive during hardships. It's just, you know, the, wow. the, the new way of cooperation. So I really encourage everyone to go read about it. I didn't know about that myself. That's great. Thank you. This We're really learning something here. All right. Last two questions. Complete the statement, if you would, my friend. The Canadian star system is blank. The Canadian star system is not a hoax. <laughs> That's good. I like that. That is a great answer. This whole show is based on the premise that it is, but I, I, I like that. You, I like that. You, I, I knew you'd be more optimistic than others. Now, let me ask you this. Living next door to the United States is like. I wish we were not. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I would not have been, I would not have loved to think about it. But living next door to the United States is an opportunity and a danger at the same time, to be honest. Mm. I'm really hopeful. I'm, I'm optimistic by nature, but also I am worried after what we saw in the past, like five to six years, what's going on yes. in the US it just makes me so scared. And the way that people just, you know, intolerate each other. It's so dangerous. And I'm so glad every time, you know, things were happening there during the previous president. I was always thankful. You would always go on my social media and the first thing you would say, I would say, thank God we are in Canada, you know, after the, the travel <laughs> ban, the Muslim ban, after the crisis that had happened, you know, after the indignity that had really been brought to the highest office on the land and it's really the most powerful office in the world i yeah. think what we are lucky is that canada kept true to our to our values you know by keeping the doors open supporting even uh, americans who wanted to come here i i truly believe that uh, we are a, a great nation for keeping to our values regardless of who is governing the country uh regardless of who who is who's in the the office of the prime minister or who is leading leading the country i've read a lot about the history of the Many amazing movements that happened in Canada during many different political parties' governance. And I think after what we have seen, uh, what happened in the United States, we all have to rethink what do we need to do as a country. And also, I think the biggest opportunity is that because the United States is a great innovation hub, I, to be honest, we have to be frank that many of the amazing things we use every day was made there, was created and innovated there. And I just feel that we as a country, we can use that as an inspiration for us. We have all the talents, we have all the skills, and I think we have what it takes. You really brought that answer around at the end. We're just going to go with an opportunity and a danger, but I appreciated, I appreciated all the rest of it. Tarek, thank you so, so much. You're, you're staying with us. You're just going to introduce uh, who you're bringing on today, but please stay with us. But would you please do us the honor of introducing the featured guest that you've brought with you today? I brought with me my friend, my brother, Hussam Aloum. He's a great Syrian artist. Hussam is an amazing artist that I have never really seen uh, anything like his work anywhere else on the entire planet. He has a big heart. He has an amazing family. He came to Canada only a few years ago. And I'm really honored to be, uh, to be on this even show with him. This is our first show together. I'm, I'm really honored because also Hussam did work with us over the past few months during the pandemic, drawing my father. He spent over 400 hours on a portrait for my dad holding oh, wow. a chocolate bar with peace in <laughs> Arabic. So Hussam is, is absolutely an amazing guy, he uses hyper-realism in his art, and I'm really honored to be with him today. Yay! Hussam, are you there? Hello. Thank you for having me, and thank you, uh, Tarek, for uh, inviting me and uh, introducing me like that. Let's get right to it. Did you really spend 400 hours doing a portrait of Tarek's father? Yeah, maybe more. More than that, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Why do you do this for so long, Hussam? It seems like a lot of time. Actually, to create something special for a special story, you have to, uh, to think a lot, actually, and make research and go back to the, the history of this uh, family. You know, he's part from his culture. So, I go goes a lot to, to know more about Damascus and the history of Damascus and uh, the art 
in Damascus in in different way, you know, and uh, to make or to create concept have all story and just one two D uh, piece of art, just uh, oil painting. It's a lot of thinking and a lot of, a lot of processing. This is makes uh, makes me uh, take a lot of time to create it, and especially the technique that I use it. It's uh, the hyper realistic. And you know, with the hyper realistic, especially you make a lot of layers and use special brushes to have that tiny d- details. You know, yeah, that's so. I this is <laughs> I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. This is the first I've heard of the term hyper realistic. So yeah. so you take you look at a realist art and you go, that's awful. I can do it hyper realistic. This is clearly not a real person. I would like to make it hyper realistic. It's it's there's more literally more layers involved is that is that true yeah in the hyper realistic you can say it's like contemporary art school it started before just three or 40 years ago and it's grow up with after the digital cameras start the people use it uh, and the, we use this uh, the hyper realistic it's to be it's a little bit different about the realistic you know because the the realistic school in art it's very very old and the hyper-realistic, it's something new because we give more time to the details to, to show up uh, the, the quality of uh, the human being to make uh, something in hand could uh, give you that quality. Maybe the camera doesn't. Your story, similar to Tarek's in that you were from Syria, right? Yeah. Originally? Yeah, I'm from Syria. And w- went to Jordan for a while, spent some time in Turkey. And during all that time, through your artwork, as it grew and grew and, and grew, I understand you started painting when you were about four years old, which yeah. my daughter has started too. I just don't know what, what it is. It's <laughs> not hyper-realistic, I can tell you that. Through your artwork, you very quickly identified causes that you wanted to be involved with, including eradicating gun violence against children with the war in Syria. And you, you quickly moved from just doing artwork to doing charitable work, doing volunteer work. Why? I mean, I, don't, I think I know why it's so important to you, but how do you think art specifically can make a difference in bringing awareness and getting help for these causes? This is maybe it's part from my story, because like an artist, when you find your country in this situation with the war and a lot of bad things go, going, so it's it's not easy to have that feeling you cannot do anything, but right. like an artist, you could make something by your art. So I started to create uh, some uh, piece of uh, art uh, in the beginning in Syria, and it was very difficult because if you just show your your opinion, uh, it's put you in danger, you know, with that, with that regime. So I, I left great. Syria to, to, to Jordan in 2013, and there I start my first project, making uh, 13 pieces of art. Uh, it was collage uh, with, uh, with oil painting. Uh, it's the message from this uh, was uh, talk about how the Syria, uh, the, the, the general scene, everything mixed with uh, guns and arms and this stuff. And how we don't use to be in, in this uh, situation, you know. It is, this it was something very strange for us because suddenly you find your country in this uh, civil war and like bad dream and we, we really try to, to wake up, you know. And uh, I start make the art to explain the situation in that time. After that, I find a different way to, to find myself like an artist. So I start work with kids in the camps, in, uh, in the refugee camps in, in Jordan. And I worked uh, like volunteers for uh, uh, 10 weeks, uh, full time. That was uh, very, uh, a very great experience for, for me because this is, could be different school or for my humanity, you know. Because in the hard time, you have really to figure it out what you have choices to stay alive or to keep your mind, you know, because really sometimes you feel everything is, could make you crazy, you know? It's pretty amazing to me in, in my, my little capacity of watching kids in art therapy. It's amazing to me the, the light that you can find in, any, in a dark situation by allowing kids to express themselves, even if what they're expressing 
is darkness. It's still giving them, it's changing their mindset or allowing them to express themselves. And the, the visual arts seem to do it like nothing else can. Music's great. Comedy's great. But the visual arts of being able to express, you know, whatever you want, however you can, and striving to get better at it at the same time is pretty amazing to me. Let's talk about you specifically, if we could, because you came over to Canada. What year did you come over, Hussam? We landed here in 2018 in, in September. So it's just been a few years. One of those years has been uh, pretty much indoors in Canada, <laughs> yeah. as it has all around the world. So lots of time to do art. But you came over with a couple hundred canvases that you were working on, immediately found the kindred spirit in a local artist in, uh, in the Kingston area. And lo and behold, you're already nominated for a Kingston Award for your art, and you've taken on many of the local subjects in your work. And I know that I can see some of your work right behind you. I wish people could see it. You've particularly taken to using foils in your art. Can you explain why you use foils in your artwork? Yeah, exactly. Uh, unfortunately, when we arrived to Canada, as uh, any newcomer, uh, the language was the first challenge for, for us to, to connect with people. Really, it was uh, a new experience for uh, for me to to have uh, friends in different ages, and mm -hmm. you know, uh, as uh, my uh, my friend Tarek mentioned, how the people they welcoming us and uh, very uh, kind way, and I just uh, start want to uh, explain my feeling about all the nice uh, thing happen around me. I start uh, this uh, collection called Reflection. I used this tinfoil to talk about this concept because the reflection is uh, that thing we, we could make it to anyone because all the time we are a reflection of our doing to the, the people, you know. I try to uh, explain how the people could change your life by their reflection. For example, the painting uh, that I uh, win the, in the Kingston Prize, the, the award, the painting, it's uh, about my friend, her name is Joyce. She's 85 years old. She was uh, one of the volunteers. Uh, they supported us in the, from the first day we, we landed here in Canada. And uh, really, it was, for me, it was a new experience to have a friend in this age because in Syria, it's impossible to have a friend this age, you know, <laughs> 85 years old. It's it's very limited number of people they could <laughs> get to this to this age in Syria. And at the same time, uh, really, they, they have different mind about, about us, uh, the youth people, and uh, about me, especially like an artist. So uh, she she make a huge difference in, in our life because she was our eyes in this country. Because she started just show us the nice places in the area, and she started tell us about many stories uh, have related with uh, Canada history. And as well, she is uh, a photographer, and she she has like seventy thousand photos in her <laughs> laptop. You you and when you sit with her, she can she can remember all the details for each <laughs> each photo, you know. And she just tell us <laughs> amazing stories about uh, her memories and stuff. She inspired me to make this uh, collection, and I called it Reflections, and I used the tinfoil to, to talk about this uh, concept. And I bought this, in, in this painting, I bought the tinfoil-like crown on her, uh, in, in her head, because really she is like a great reflection to our life, just from her memory, you know? I think that's amazing. I love the, the idea of it, that her memories are projecting outwards and it's like a it's like a movie a living movie that you're watching and taking these stories that she passes down and learning from them and and passing them on now through this art and this medium so i think that's i think it's a brilliant idea Tarek, do you have any questions by the way for sam Tarek is still here and this is the longest <laughs> this is the longest i've ever uh, seen him not talk and i know it's <laughs> it's bugging him so Tarek, go ahead ask Usam a question Sam, what is the thing that keeps you hopeful about the future See, as an wait, artist? What a better question. God, all right, that's enough <laughs> yeah, from you. What, his, his question is so much better than mine. Yeah, immediately. He's, he's great. Yeah. Actually, the, the making art, actually, and the hope to, to have a better future than, than our past, you know? 
Yeah, because uh, as you know, Tarek, uh, as a Syrian, we, we had a very different experience. And through this experience, all the time we try to, to build the future from now in a very positive way. And we try just to keep the, the life as good as we hope. Now, one piece of your work received uh, a lot of acclaim, especially through social media, Hussam, is the Syrian Lisa. Can you talk a little bit about the Syrian Lisa, why you did that and, and the kind of reaction that it's gotten? In Syria, we had uh, many actions, or we can, we can say many uh, bad memories have been in Syria. You know, in, in Aleppo in 2016, uh, the Russian regime he started bombing the city. And in that days, uh, the Aleppo was trended in all social medias. And we just had photos in the social media about Aleppo. And there is one photo st- uh, stopped me and uh, makes me just look at it in a different way. Because it was uh, to a woman who had a hijab. And uh, the dust uh, cover all the details in her face. You just see that some blood come uh, fr- through her uh, mouth. and. I feel in that in that time, this is how the the world system for me was like a real example about world system because they hide everything. That's make me get angry more about the the situation. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, I was super sad because you see the the cities they start destroy that history city, and that city have related with our culture with our. Uh, history like Syria and with our everything, you know, Aleppo, it's, it's like Damascus. It's the second biggest city in the, in Syria. And we, all of us, we, we love, we love Aleppo. And to see what happened to the city, it's, it's really uh, broke our hearts. And uh, that's make me uh, uh, make this painting and try to uh, put all my, uh, my feeling on it. And I created by uh, one uh, one set. It took me around ten hours, and after I finished it, uh, actually I didn't had any plan to to share it in social media, but my wife uh, she suggested to me, please post it because at least this is your your feeling, and when I posted, the people like it and it touched their soul, you know, because it was the real uh, the real reflection of that uh, period time, you know. Yeah, this is makes makes it uh, very popular. So really, the popularity of it is a, is because of your passion, your talent, and your wife. Your wife's idea to put it out. <laughs> your wife had the idea yeah. put this out into the world because people are going to like it. So shout out to your wife, and let's let's just uh, let's close on this because this is a great story that you met your wife in high school and you wooed her. By presenting her with a portrait you did of her? Is that a true story? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a true story. Woo! That <laughs> is taking a risk. Have you heard of Van Gogh? Because it can go one of two ways for Sam. Yeah. <laughs> I've come to think of it, I've only seen one of your ears throughout this interview. Turn your head. Do you have both no, ears? Yeah, yes. It. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> Woo! Uh, I really want to thank both of you for sharing your experiences with us for being here in Canada. And, uh, you know, I know you've been welcomed with open arms, but it's, it's incredible to me how much you're spreading out your beauty and your art as well. Tarek, I know you can't really paint, but you're beautiful on the inside, <laughs> my friend, and you're sharing your beauty. Actually, I could paint. Yeah, the first few months in Canada, <laughs> I went to uh, corsets and effects and I started painting and then my entire family were wowed. But I tried to gift one painting to a girl in university that I liked. It did not turn out the See? same way that Hussam, that Hussam did. I tried it. I it tried can, it. It can go one of two ways. That's exactly. what I'm saying. Yeah. But you, you've certainly found your passion, my friend, and, you're, and thank you for spreading it. So thank you very much to both of you for being on the Canadian star system today and being in the Canadian star system and paying it forward. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you again, Tarek, for inviting me. And I'm so glad to meet you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was really lovely. The Canadian Star System is produced by Diana Francis and Steve Patterson in association with the Apostrophe Podcast Network. 
If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit our website at canadianstarsystem.ca, where you can find links to their work and their socials. Speaking of socials, you can follow at Canadian Star Pod and at Apostrophe Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Our editor and sound technician is Donovan Deschner of Fracture Ephemer Productions. Music by Mark Camilleri of Imagine Sound Studios. Special thanks to Terry O'Reilly, Debbie O'Reilly, Callie O'Reilly, and Nancy Patterson, who is an honorary O'Reilly. And since you're doing such a good job of listening to the credits, there's a bonus clip for you after Steve sings it out. So give it up for these good nubs, because our self-promotion sucks. And if they all went away, we sure would miss them. The Canadian Star System. I also would have accepted beer. <laughs> Peace by beer? Peace by beer. Yeah. Oh Do you God. mind? Is that a copyright infringement well, if I open up Peace by Beer on the side Peace by it. Chocolate? You know, the, the only thing is I don't drink because, you know, I am a Muslim. So yes. I, I do not drink, but go for it. That's great. You know, they, you can achieve peace with anything. Some beer is non-alcoholic, though. <laughs> Let's get it. Peace by liquor is not going to work. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.